Welcome back to Bible Time. We're ready to begin our study in the book of Thessalonians, the two books to the church of Thessalonica. We'll start today with a um, good overview of the church and what we're getting into in order to rightly divide the Word of God and understand it and not just to read it as a historical piece. You need to read um, all the scripture that pertains to every subject that you look at in detail. So if you look at, for example, the Holy Kiss in the end of Thessalonians, you need to look at the rest of the scriptures in the Bible that deal with it and um, compare scripture to scripture And once you've compared all the scriptures to scriptures, um, then you can have a good understanding of what the Bible actually says about it. And really, that's all we're doing. That's the whole point of Bible time, is to take the Bible and compare the Bible to the Bible and see what the Bible says. We're not interested here in what um, some pontiff said. We're not interested in what some pope or preacher said. We're not interested in even what some other pastors and preachers say. We're not interested in what some so-called apostles say. We want to know what does the Bible say. Now, the Bible is the supreme rule for all doctrine, for all word. There are two types of religions in the world. There are religions where, um, and I'm talking about Christian religions. There are two types of Christian religions in the world. Um, You can separate all religion in the world by Christ, by those who say that they believe in Christ and those who do not. Those who say that they believe in Christ, whether they follow the Bible or not, but they at least put the name of Jesus Christ on their church and on their and they have the the name or an image of Christ that they uphold the world calls those people Christians and even in the bible the word of god never acknowledges the word christian for bible believing followers of Jesus Christ Nowhere have I found where it says to the Christians that are at such and such place. He says to the saints of God, to the beloved in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, etc., etc. And if I find where I'm wrong there, I will stand corrected. And, and on that note, I have a couple things to correct from yesterday. We'll get real quick. Run and grab me my yellow um, legal pad in there. So... Um, the world calls these people Christians, who name anyone who names the name of Christ. And that began at Antioch, and that's where my correction will come in. I said yesterday that that was Antioch Pisidia. Um, I was not sure about it the other day when I said it, and I finally got around to looking um, at some maps. And that Antioch in Pisidia is the Antioch that Paul um, went up and preached at in Acts thirteen fourteen. The Antioch that Paul was sent out of is Antioch in Syria. So there's a correction that I made, and this illustrates very well the point that I'm making here, that there is, um, amongst the world calls Christians, anybody who claims to follow Christ, the, the world calls them Christians, and separates that them then from Buddhists and Confucianists and um, all the other people, Taoists, wh- whoever else you want to have, Hindus, uh, Muslims, you have Christians and you have the rest of the world. Christians, those who call, name, say, claim the name of Jesus Christ. That would include everything from the Roman Catholic Church to Orthodox to Evangelicals to Episcopalians. Um, any kind of group that has the cross as their emblem, the world would call a Christian. Now, amongst Christians, there are two types of religion, and religion is not a bad word. Religion is actually a very good word. The Bible talks about pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. In James, it says to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Lord willing, we'll study that when we get to James. There are really two types of religion amongst Christians. There are followers and disciples of Christ, and there are followers and disciples of man, or what they call the church. You have men who hold the word of God in the highest esteem, and then the word of man is subject to the word of God. Or you have men who hold the word of the church and the word of other men in high esteem, and the word of God is subject to the words of men. And those are followers of the church, and those who hold the word of God in high esteem above their own word even, those are followers of Christ. Jesus said, blessed are they that 
hear my words and keep them. He said, they that hear my words and do them not shall be likened unto men who build their house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And there are many houses of men. Many houses built by men who, that will fall in those days whenever the rain descends and the floods raise and the winds beat upon their houses. They will fall because they are not founded upon the rock. They hear the words of Christ, but they do them not. They, they agree with intellectually the words of Christ. They claim Christ is their Savior. They claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when it comes down to down to brass tacks, what they're going to do is follow the dogmas and doctrines and teachings of their church and not the word of God. And those men are not followers of Christ. They're followers of men and followers of their church. Now, Christ did ordain his church, but his church follows his word. Um, now, as I said, I made a mistake the other day about Antioch Pisidia versus Antioch in Syria. And that aptly illustrates yet again the reason that we should keep the word of God as our sole authority. The word of God is above everything else. The word of God is above my own mind, my own opinions that have often been faulty and often been wrong. I have made many mistakes in my understanding, many mistakes in my life. And I've never met a man alive or a woman for that matter either that has ever lived a life free from error and free from mistakes. I've never found a group of people that's free from error and free from mistakes. Now, the if you go back in your Bible, there's a trend throughout the whole word of God that the majority is always wrong. The majority is always wrong. You want to find the biggest group and say, well, there's been more people that have been part of our group than any other group for the last 2,000 years, so therefore we must be the true church. I'm sorry, that's not a biblical principle. The reality is that in the Bible, it's the minority who is usually right. Twelve spies went into the land of Canaan to spy out the land. Ten said we can't take it. Don't believe God. Believe us. We've looked at it. Our opinion, our experience, our understanding usurps the promises and word of God and the people in mass believed the 10 men while two men Joshua and Caleb said believe God in spite of appearances believe God in spite of what you see God said we can take it there'll be meat for us we're, we're gonna wipe up the ground with them but the people then, what they do? They reacted to Joshua and Caleb, believed the experiences and the, and the account of men instead of the word of God, and they spake of stoning Joshua and Caleb. And that is, in reality, the pattern of Christian religion throughout the ages and the pattern of all <coughs> um, God-honoring religion throughout the ages is that you will have a majority of people that say they follow Christ. Those Israelites said they followed Christ, didn't they? Only they didn't call him Christ. They said that they were following Jehovah God, the I Am, Yahweh, whatever you want to go with there, <coughs> of those old um, names that God gave himself in the Old Testament. And they said they were following that God, and yet they defied that God, followed the words of men over the words of that God, and in the name of that God tried to stone the men who were truly following that God, that God, the God of the Bible. And that has always been the case ever since. There has been a minority of Bible-believing Christians of all kinds of stripes and backgrounds, I've... Um, and. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't want to unduly offend, but I don't want to hold back anything. I've got a bunch of um, Baptist friends who I love in the Lord very dearly, and some of them will hold to the concept or the idea that the that there have been Baptists since John, who was a Baptist, and they have a point. They're right in the fact that there are people that have believed what they 
the, have followed Christ and believed what they call the distinctives of the Baptist church from the very time of Christ. And so they have a point there, but they can get off base there and start looking to a name and a group. Um, the, and really, that's the same thing that the Catholic Church does. The Catholic Church claims to go back as an organization all the way back to Christ without error. And it's, it's an absolutely preposterous and ludicrous and historically unsubstantiatable claim. Because if you go, go back and look at the Catholic Church throughout the ages, it's obvious that what you find is murder and rape and incest and uh, burning at the stake of Bible-believing Christians. You find the popes having orgies in the Vatican itself. Vatican is one of the most wicked places on the face of the earth, full of the blood of the innocents. You find them amassing wealth to themselves and persecuting the poor. The Catholic Church or any other church is not the church of Jesus Christ. And um, the church of Jesus Christ is the body of believers who truly believe in and follow the Lord Jesus Christ and hold the word of God as the supreme authority. And that church then has existed and will exist till the coming of Christ. And it bears no name of any group. There have been people in all the groups that have ever been real churches. If there's ever been a real church, whether it was a Methodist church or an Episcopalian church or a Pentecostal church or even some of the early churches that were associated with the Catholic church, if they've had true Bible-believing Christians in them, then those Christians are part of the church of Jesus Christ, the true literal church of Jesus Christ. John Wesley was an Anglican. The Church of England is about the epitome of apostasy. It has never been a true church in any of its formation or anything else about it. And the Church of England has used um, political power to rule over people and persecute Bible-believing Christians, and yet God used John Wesley mightily, mightily in the kingdom of God, and he turned many people to Christ through John Wesley, who came out of the Anglican church and then formed the Methodist movement that was never even intended by John Wesley to be a church denomination. He intended it to stay in the Anglican church, which he felt like it should do, and um, be a basically a small group. But it turned into a church denomination. And all that aside, there have been people in every group and every denomination. But at the same token, every group and every denomination has foundered. And every group and every denomination as a group has turned their back on God and placed the words of men above the words of God. And therefore have departed from being disciples of Jesus Christ and have become rulers over the word of Christ. You say, why are we talking about all this today? Well, hopefully it's all relevant. I can't promise that it is. But I'm hoping it is. <clears throat> I'm doing my best here. If I have to, we'll, we'll start over if we have to. But here we are, and we're looking at 1 Thessalonians. I want you to turn there real quick. 1 Thessalonians. And look at the opening words here. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, please help this study. Help us, Lord God, to honor you and glorify you. Magnify your word. Help us to turn, Lord, from our pride and from our arrogance father and our our own wisdom to lean not unto our own understanding but in all our ways to acknowledge you and you will direct our paths lord i pray that you would call out your true church from among the apostate groups that they are scattered in our day and that they would not hold up the name of a group and not hold up the name of a religion or of a man but they would exalt the name of jesus christ alone and that they would leave off the heathen and pagan practices that are mixed lord with the ungodly um, teachings of men, Father, and that they would become disciples and followers of Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So here in 1 Thessalonians, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you cannot be in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ if God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are not one. 
it's absolutely impossible. You cannot be in Jesus and in God unless Jesus is in God and God is in Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus taught. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And the Jews took up stones to stone him. Again, the religious majority who were Bible believers, who had their basis and their foundation in the word of God, but over time had allowed the teachings of men to usurp the word of God and take a place of higher authority than the word of God, took up stones to stone Jesus Christ himself, the very son of God they said they were following. And they were going to stone him, but they couldn't. He hid himself and passed out from them. Now, Jesus Christ, who said, I and the Father are one, here is said to be that in which the church of the Thessalonians is. Present tense. He says, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not tell them, thank God you're in the church. He said, you are the church. He says, unto the church of the Thessalonians. Thessalonians, which is in God the Father. Now, this establishes, this and other scriptures like it, establish the autonomy and the independence of the local body of believers. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, where you have that, and that actually is not a direct reference to a church, but it applies whenever a church gathers, and even if they're a small church, a small assembly, if they are organized, organized and formed according to scripture, which according to scripture means that they are under the authority of the word of God and the apostles doctrine and following the apostles doctrine. And if, if such is the case, we've studied that before. You can go back and look at some of those studies. We'll study it again. If that church is meeting, then that church does not need a bishop over them, which a bishop would be equivalent and synonymous. If you'll study it out, compare Bible verse to Bible verse with a pastor. And if you, they don't need a bishop over them. They don't need a cardinal, which is not even found in the Bible. They don't need a pope, which is another position never found in the word of God. And they don't don't need all these extra biblical positions over them if they are meeting and gathering in biblical manner, in biblical authority, then they do not need man over them. They do not need a denominational headquarters. They do not need a denominational representative to come and check on them and make sure that they're crossing their denominational T's and dotting their denominational I's and teaching the dogmas and the teachings of their denomination. They just need the Bible and they just need to follow the Bible. And here you have the autonomy of the local church. Now this church in Thessalonica was a church born in trouble. That's the title of our lesson today. If it's a lesson or a message, God knows it. A church born in trouble. And this church is a church that the Bible says in Acts was born in three Sabbath days of meetings. Three Sabbath days of meetings. It was born in a synagogue, which as Paul's manner, he would go to the synagogue because he recognized that the Jew, the gospel was to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We're not getting into that today. Um, so here he had just left Philippians, go to Acts 17. He had just left Philippians, uh, the Philippian people and the church at Philippi. And while he was there, if you'll remember, he cast out a devil out of a young lady. And when he did that, the people that owned that young lady and held her in slavery were angry that Paul had done that and the hope of their gains was gone. And so they, excuse my cough. Excuse me. So they set the city in an uproar and they grabbed Paul and Silas and threw them into jail. Who remembers what happened? Well, they were singing in the jail in the middle of the night at Philippi. Who remembers? They were praising God. Tell me what happened. The what? They were singing and what happened? There was an earthquake and what happened? It shook the jail and it broke the doors open and they could have all gotten free and the jailer was going to kill himself. Paul stopped him and he came springing in with a light and looked at them and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, join the church and get baptized. No, he did not. Read your Bible. 
Now, they did get baptized, but that's not what he said. So Paul um, said in Acts 16, 28, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. He says in verse 30, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And I know some people say, see, if he got saved, his whole house got saved. Well, there's a practical application to the fact that if you're the dad and you follow Jesus, your children will learn about Jesus and therefore have a much better opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But you don't have to just make this say whatever you want. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. So the believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is also part of the same sentence and therefore also required for the house to receive salvation. Obviously not the brick and mortar. Some of you are saying, what? A house can't get saved. Well, a lot of people will apply this to household salvation and say that everybody in a house gets saved if the dad gets saved, and that's not Bible. You can't find it in the Bible. This is about as close as it gets, and you have to include the whole verse. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Those who believe will get saved. Those who do not believe will be damned according to the Scripture. Now, He came from Philippi. They tried to let him go secretly, and he said, no, let him come and fetch us out. But then he departed the city, Acts 17. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. Now, there's a couple things that we can learn here, and we're just going to take some observations from the scripture and move quickly here. Um, The first thing we see there about the Sabbath day, Paul was preaching in the synagogue to the Jews. That's how he always did it. And whenever they would blaspheme, as you'll see in other places in the scripture and in the book of Acts, he would leave the synagogue and commence meeting with the Christians in another building on another day. And he would continue as long as they would allow him to go back to those synagogues often until he would, in some cases, shake his lap and say, I'm leaving for good from your gathering. I'm not going to sit down with you anymore. But he would go to the synagogue to preach the gospel to the lost. It was an evangelist outreach and then he would gather as the scripture says in many places with the Christians on the first day of the week a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead on the first day of the week just like the Bible says and Jesus Christ their their celebration of Christ would be what the um, modern churches that follow the Bible and believe in Jesus Christ follow that example of the apostles and meet on Sunday not a keeping of the Sabbath, never designed to be a keeping of the Sabbath, never said to be a keeping of the Sabbath. A lot of our Protestants, a lot of the Presbyterians, a lot of the groups that um, came out of the Reformation movement believed that meeting on Sunday was a keeping of the Sabbath. Uh, More power to them. I'll look past it. I'll move on. It's not biblical. As long as they hold to the Bible in salvation are able, we can get past some other things. (coughs) So, um, let's see here. They had, so there's as deals with the Sabbath. Now they had three Sabbath days and then there was the city set on an uproar by the Jews, the majority of Bible believers of so-called Bible believers. Now the Jews and the Greeks are, are the two references that the Bible uses to the Old Testament world. The Old Testament world saw everything in the light of Jews and Greeks biblically. Daniel saw it as Jews and Greeks because the Jews, as Jesus said, know who they worship. Salvation, Christ Jesus said, is of the Jew. 
He said that in John chapter 4. So salvation, being of the Jew, transferred to the Jew, Jesus Christ, who died and was buried and rose again the third day and made a new and living way through the veil that is his flesh. And he made that new and living way open on the first day of the week through the resurrection of the dead. And he brought in a new covenant, a new testament, confirmed in the blood of the testator, Jesus Christ the righteous, through the sacrifice of his body on the cross, his resurrection bodily from the grave and his ascension to heaven where on where he took the very blood that he had shed and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven making a new and living way and establishing himself as a new high priest after the order of Melchizedek over the faith of the faith of Jesus Christ and those that are saved through faith in his name which the bible calls saints Anyone who is born again by the power of God, saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, a saint, and on e- and a joint heir with Christ on equal footing with Mary and James and John and Bartholomew and all the rest of them out there because once you are saved and a joint heir with Christ, you can't get any higher than that. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, there's no higher you can get. And that doesn't negate the offices of apostle that some of those men have and etc but those are offices and that's different from value every saint is of equal value in the eyes of God and all who are saved by faith in Jesus Christ are saints and in Christ Jesus now here in Acts 17 you have these Jews who are troubling the people and the rulers of the city this is trouble. This is a church born in trouble. It says that they told um, the people that these that these Christians were teaching contrary to the decrees of Caesar, and they brought in kingdom now theology, saying that there is another king, one Jesus, and accused these Christians of preaching that Jesus was the king of an earthly kingdom today. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city. And King, by the way, Kingdom Now theology is Jewish theology reworked into the Bible. And it doesn't have any foundation in Scripture. And I love you in the Lord. Uh, when they heard these things and when they had taken security of Jason and the other, they let them go. Now, people don't like trouble. And we need to figure this out today. Nobody likes trouble. A businessman doesn't like trouble. A guy's selling hot dogs in a hot dog stand and pushing that down the street. And here comes somebody giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a gang of ruffians comes out of an alley. And this guy knows he's in a bad side of town, but he's just trying to make a living and pay his bills. And here comes these gang members running out of a side alley. And they attack that Christian. And in the meantime, they knock over the hot dog cart, dump his hot dogs out on the asphalt, break his cart, and trample on his food. And, and they, when his cash box pop open, they stuff his money in his pocket he's not going to think kindly of that christian he's going to have to be a lot bigger in his heart than a normal human being is to think kindly of that christian people do not like trouble and the devil knows this so the devil always is looking for trouble makers and if he can get some trouble makers to run in and make trouble and attack the christians the devil knows that 99.9 percent of lost people are going to do whatever it takes to to appeal the troublemakers and just make them happy enough to go away so they don't have to deal with them and move on with life and try and make another dollar and pay their bills. Now, obviously, if the, um, if the authorities had stood up to these Um, these troublemaking Jews in Thessalonica, they could have found out what was really going on, but they didn't. And most of the time, people uh, will just appease, and that's not the right way to deal with it. That's not biblical. Um, And these troublemakers should have been dealt with, but they were not. Now, from there, they went to Berea. It says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Now, this is going to tie in with our entire study of the book of Thessalonians because Paul is writing this um, shortly. First Thessalonians is written shortly after Paul got to Athens. 
apparently. And you'll see that because he brings up these events. He brings up Philippi. He brings up the persecution that happened. He brings up these, these riots here. He brings up um, being in Athens. All this comes up in the book of Thessalonians. So you're going to read about it. And in order to understand what's happening and, and understand what Paul's talking about by inspiration of the Holy Spirit there in Thessalonians, you need to understand the backstory. And that's why God gave us the backstory. Now, if, if you're talking, a lot of times people go overboard with this backstory stuff. You don't need to go outside the Bible for backstory. If God didn't include it, you don't really need it. You can get away without it just fine. You just need the Bible. Now, what made the Jews in Thessalonica more noble than the Jews in, or the Jews in Berea more noble than the Jews in Thessalonica was that they had a ready mind, a willingness to hear the Bible. They were open-minded to the Bible and they searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. The difference between the Jews in Thessalonica and the Jews in Berea is the difference between all Christians in the world. You have Thessalonican Christians and you have Berean Christians in the world. You have troublemaker Christians who will fight the word of God and who are ignorant of the word of God and hold the, the words of men above the words of God. And then you have Christians who hold the word of God above the words of men and and we'll search the scriptures daily, not the YouTube channels, not the wiki house and the wiki pages and Wikipedia, but they will search the scriptures daily, whether these things be so. You can find somebody to tell you anything you want today. You can believe whatever you want, and you can find sources to do it. Colleges have shifted from um, honoring truth to honoring sources. If you go and write an opinion paper at a college, if you want to go and write your doctoral thesis, as long as you source what you say, they will say, good job, and give you a diploma, and give you a little hat with a tassel, and throw a party for you, and give you some advanced toilet paper with a bunch of guilt on it that you can frame and post on your wall that says you're smarter than every, every, every other average person. As long as you source it. What does it mean to source it? Well, we've got um, our toilet paper packages nowadays say sourced from um, carefully managed source trees and etc. And we talk about sourcing trees in a way that for paper that doesn't deplete the ecosystem and all this kind of stuff. Well, sourcing something means where you get it from, where you get it from. And if you write a paper and you source it from anywhere, as long as it's somebody else that's got a gilded piece of toilet paper on their wall that has a bunch of fancy letters on it and they got the little tassel from some kind of big money building, then you're good to go. And that's the reality of education in America. You don't have to say one word of truth in a doctoral thesis in order to get a PhD in America. All you have to do is quote the lies of people who already got their doctoral theses. And as long as they got a doctoral, um, as long as they got their doctorate, their PhD, and they have their little piece of paper that proves they're a doctor of something or other, you can quote them as a basis of fact for your thesis, and you will get applause, you will get um, confetti thrown at you, and you'll get your little gilded piece of toilet paper to hang up on the wall. We have moved away from truth. Now we source what people say instead of sourcing the truth. And therefore in America, there's a complete divorce amongst not only the ruling class of people, but the working class of people. There's a complete divorce between truth, reality, and um, hearsay. And everybody in America just believes their source. And their source is all they will believe. Well, how many of you Christians listening to me today are no better? Maybe you're a follower of Zwingli. Maybe you're a follower of Mino Simmons. Maybe you're a follower of um, Pope Benedictine or something, or whoever it was, St. Benedictine. Maybe you're a follower of some other guy, Molina or something like that. Maybe you're a follower of John Calvin. Whoever you choose to follow, if you're following a man 
instead of the Bible, you are uh, in heart a Thessalonian believer. You might not be the troublemaking sort, but you do not have an open mind to the Bible anymore because you are a follower of man. And if people agree with your man or your men or your books or your commentaries that you like, you'll go along with them. And if they don't, you write them off and you're not even going to look at the Bible. It doesn't even matter to you what the Bible says. You've already shut it off. That's a Thessalonian. They were supposedly Bible believing. The synagogue was a repository of scripture. Do you hear me today? The synagogue was where the actual the actual papyrus, the actual papers were upon which were written the very words of God. It was the place where Moses would be read and Moses and the prophets, Jesus Christ said, speak of me. So Moses and the prophets, Jesus said, if you believe Moses and the prophets, you would believe me for they spoke of me. And he said, search the scriptures. Jesus commanded the Jews, search the scriptures. And I say to you today, if you're listening to this, whatever background you are, denominationally, religiously, whatever church group you're a part of, search the scriptures for Christ's sake. Jesus Christ said, search the scriptures. Now, there were some Jews in Thessalonica that did search the scriptures, and there were also some Greeks that were willing to as well, and they became the church of Thessalonica. These were the Thessalonians to whom Paul is writing this book. But the other ones, the baser and the, the ones that took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, these ones would not search the scriptures. And by the way, birds of a feather flock together. Whenever you see people consorting with rioters and thieves and drunkards and um, people who are stealing and committing all kinds of sin, then you know pretty quick that because they're consorting with them regularly and that that's who they prefer to spend their time with all the time, you can pretty much figure out who they are. And there's a difference between ministering to them and consorting with them. These Jews basically hired these people to riot, like what's been happening in the United States of America um, all these last couple years, that different groups will hire baser and lewd people from the slums to go out and riot. And they'll, they'll take, listen, you pay them, they've got nothing, and you can pay them to take whatever sign you want with whatever you want to say on it, and they'll go and yell and break glass and steal things, and they get not only do they get paid to do it but they get to steal and they get it all free so that's what's happening here in america on a political level but it was happening in thessalonica on a spiritual level and they troubled the people and the rulers of the city and the people just backed down now these thessalonicans um and really this is also what we've seen these Thessalonican Jews who did not believe the gospel, they were so angry against the gospel that when they found out that Paul was in Berea, they sent a busload of them, figuratively speaking, up to Berea to make trouble in that city. Look at verse 13. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. This is a church born in trouble. Thessalonica, the Thessalonican church can't get a break. They not only have the troublemakers in their city, but their troublemakers are militant and willing to travel. Have rocks and bricks to throw at glass, we'll travel. Ready to roll. So here they have to live in this town of city with these, or this town and city where the, all these troublemakers and these troublemaking Jews and these Jews came and stirred up the people in, a, in Berea and then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea but Silas and Timotheus abode there still and they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens which we will find Paul mentioning in the book of Thessalon, um, First Thessalonians. <coughs> now. What did the Jews of Thessalonica have knowledge of that made them mad? Go back to verse 13 there in Acts. Look at it in your Bibles, Acts 17, 13. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also. It was not primarily Paul that they had a problem with. It was the word of God that they had a problem with. And these were the Jews. Do you hear me today? 
Now get out of your mind the modern concept of the Jew and put yourself in the, in the feet and the shoes of the first century church where the Jew was the church. The Bible calls the Jew the church in the wilderness. They were the church. Jesus said salvation is of the Jews. The Jews were the oldest church. The Jews were the longest standing church. The Jews could trace their lineage by birth all the way back to Moses. And they had all of the parchments. They had repositories of scripture all over the place. They had, and then they had all their traditions and everything else they tacked onto it. But they considered themselves to be the epitome of the true church. And therefore they persecuted what they considered to be this upstart false church. And what was it that characterized? the upstart church this new sect called the way what was it that characterized this church that made the jews so mad it was their adherence to the word of god as the sole authority and their refusal to submit to the dogmas the traditions the teachings the doctrines of men They took the Bible for what it said. They believed the Bible. They obeyed the Bible. And that cut all of the extra traditions. That cut out all of the extra ways that they had to extort money from people. That left the great big religious organization of Judaism sitting high and dry and losing its followers on a daily basis because of this new sect that was so silly as to think that they could just believe the word of God as preached by the Apostle Paul. And this is what we have today. (coughs) Jesus Christ is coming soon. And we can see this today as we have an overflowing influence of denominations and organizations that claim to be the church. You have the, the oldest ones, the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic, the oldest standing organizations. And I ask you today, why are they the oldest standing organizations? And the answer is written in blood because they're Thessalonican Jews. They're not Christians and they have put to death all the other organizations that would pop up in their region. They would burn them at the stake. They would drown them. They would, um, you go and read history, read a Fox's book of martyrs. There's many others. There's a book, The Martyr's Mirror, put out by um, some Anabaptists who are, um, a lot of the Anabaptists also have the same type of background of believing the word of God to be the final authority and therefore not needing an organization and traditions that are extra biblical. And they were Berean style Christians who would not submit to the teachings of men about God, but would rather submit the teachings of men to God through his word and therefore they they were hunted and they were killed and they were butchered and they were sawn asunder. Their houses were burned down over their heads. They were thrown in prison. They were starved to death. They were slain. They were fed to wild animals and they have been since Christ came and they will be. Read Hebrews 11. And these are the true church. The true church of Jesus Christ is not an organization. The true church of Jesus Christ, as it has been said, is an organism. It is the body of Christ. Now, the Catholic believes that the body of Christ is a wafer that has been transformed into the literal matter of the body of Jesus Christ that they are then going to eat, which is a perversion. And they believe that that's the body of Christ. But the Bible says that the body of Christ is the union of true believers all across the world. And at the head of the body of Christ is not a pope or a preacher. It is Jesus Christ himself. And he sits as head, as the authority over all things to the church. The church is not bricks and mortar. It does not have dungeons full of ancient manuscripts and gold and silver of the kingdoms and every abomination and evil thing like the Vatican in Rome it has instead a trail of blood the church Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world then would my would my um 
I'm sorry if I quote it wrong, I will, I'm sure, because I'm forgetting part of what it says. Then would my servants fight, he said. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. And that would be equivalent to the Roman Catholic and even a lot of the Protestant faith has fought for their faith throughout the ages. The Rome, the, how many times have we heard of the Roman Catholic and Protestant wars that took place all over Europe, back and forth, back and forth between them. And right there you can see that the organism, the organism, organization is not the church the organization is involved in wars and rumors of wars the organizations are putting people to death the organizations like john calvin by the way he presided over the death of people that he considered heretics in geneva and i thank god for whatever good came out of john calvin's life but that's not good And that's a blending, that's making my kingdom on this earth. And the kingdom, the church of Jesus Christ is not found in any building. It's not found in any charter. It's not found in any group. What it is found in is in noble believers who will search the scriptures daily, whether these things be so, and will submit themselves to the authority of God's word and nothing else. And refuse to submit scripture to unscriptural traditions and doctrines of men what are you today are you a Thessalonican Jew or a Berean Jew in that sense (coughs) maybe that blew your mind so they attacked the Thessalonian Jews in verse 13 and then in verse 15 they went on to um, Paul went on to Athens and um, preached the gospel there in Athens and this is basically Wrapping us up here, let's go back to First um, Thessalonians. So here's the church that is in God. First, the first epistle of Paul the apostle to the Thessalonians. We have a few minutes here to run through this and just hit some highlights. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the autonomy of the local church, independence of the local church under the headship and lordship of Christ, needing not that there be any council, presbytery, or any other denomination or group to rule and reign over that church, that that church is directly answerable to God the Father through Jesus Christ, and here that they are not only answerable, but they are in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And now there again, that, that is what gives the Bible its validity and makes us to understand that the word of God is greater than the doctrines and commandments and traditions of men is because of the power of the Holy Ghost that accompanies the word of God that inspired it, preserves it and keeps it and preaches it through the mouth of a God honoring anointed preacher. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the with joy of the Holy Ghost. Again, what set apart Thessalonican Christians? Um, Bible believers from the Thessalonican unbelievers of the Jews was that they received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia for from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything this church in Thessalonica being born in affliction being a church formed and and born in a time of trouble, in a place of trouble, was uniquely positioned so that their faith could sound out to all the regions around and people could see and say, wow, look at this church in Thessalonica. Look at what God is doing. So the very affliction that seemed like it would kill them is actually what thrust them into the forefront and made them one of the most powerful testimonies to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the entire region that they were in. 
He says, in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God were to spread abroad. And faith, again, simply means trusting the veracity of the one speaking. In other words, taking God at his word. Their faith meant that they believed the Bible. He says, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how we how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So here their faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Paul did not have time to establish them in traditions. He did not have time to establish them in hierarchies. He did not have time to get them enrolled in some kind of denominational programs. He preached the word of God for three Sabbath days, got rain out of the city. They believed the word of God. They followed the word of God and became one of the most influential churches in the entire area simply because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their obedience to his word. Chapter two, we'll touch some highlights for yourselves, brethren, nor our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So there you see him referencing Philippi and speaking about the contention that he faced that they were constantly harassed while they were in Thessalonica, that they could not even preach without harassment. He says, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. There it is again. Are you a follower of God or a follower of men? For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous, I hope you're following along, we're in chapter 2, verse 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received, I hope you're following along here, when you received the traditions that we taught you. Is that what he says? When you received our customs, when you received our dogmas, when you received our hierarchical order, when you submitted yourselves and signed up for the denominational quarterlies, he says, no, he says, ye received because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. This is what set this church apart. This is what made the church at Thessalonica click. This is what gave the church at Thessalonica power to survive the contention and the strife and the difficulty that was happening and the false accusations and the malignity and the slander that was going on in that place was that they received the word of God. He says, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Now, some of you today are rolling your eyes out there and saying, we don't really have the word of God. They had it. Paul was preaching the same revelation that he's writing down. And he said it was the word of God. And here he's writing down the revealed word of God. And what's going to set you apart and determine where you fall. Are you actually a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you actually part of his church? Or are you part of a man's church, a man-made organization? Is your response to the word of God. If you receive the word of God as the word of men, then you are not 
operating and living as part of the church of Jesus Christ. And if your church that you associate with holds the word of God as the word of men, in other words, on equal level with the word of men or lower, then your church is not authorized to be a church by Jesus Christ. And it is a church and a synagogue of Satan. And there's no two ways about it. How you, di- how you treat the word of God determines what and who you are. There's no two ways about it. These Thessalonians received the word of God, which ye heard of us. Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Now, we'll study this in direct in, in its context closely when we get to it. Notice there how he says you became followers of the churches of Judea and some of you are jumping on it right there saying see there was a mother church but look at the context and he says here for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen even as they have of the Jews and he says you are following in the footsteps that that church has gone in and nowhere here did he give any reason to take this and extend it to some kind of overreach of authority from the church of Jerusalem to the Thessalonican church. In fact, the opposite is true as he teaches throughout that they are complete in Christ as he did to the Colossian church. They don't need the church at Jerusalem or the church at Rome or any other church. They don't need the church and I don't know where denominational headquarters are for most of the denominations or I'd rattle them all off right now. But you don't need the denominational headquarters to be in Christ. You need the Bible and to believe the word of God. And if you believe the word of God, then you will follow in the footsteps of Paul, you will follow in the footsteps of other men of God who've gone on before you and suffered for the cause of Christ. And he was not using this, as you can plainly see by the context, to say that they became spiritual followers of these men, but rather literal followers of their sufferings, because they suffered the same way of their countrymen as the Jews in Jerusalem had suffered of theirs. It says in verse 15, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they pleased not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Now God allowed that hindrance because he wanted... He wanted to prove to the world that it wasn't Paul that made this church click. It was the word of God that Paul had preached that they carried on and believed even though Paul wasn't there. For what is our hope or joy or crown of of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And there's Athens coming into the picture. We know that he left Berea, went to Athens, and verse 2, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto for verily when we were with you we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass and ye know for this cause when I could no longer forbear I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always desire greatly to see us as we also to see you therefore brethren we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord for what thanks can we render to God again for you for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith 
Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end you may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. We are running out of time. We're just going to blitz through this real quick, and we'll study it out, Lord willing, as we get to it. Furthermore, chapter 4, follow along, please. Then, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and please God you should abound more and more for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus for this is the will of God even your sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor not in the lust of concupiscence even as the Gentiles which know not God that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified for God hath not called us unto uncleanness but unto holiness he therefore that despiseth despiseth not man but God who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit but as touching brotherly love ye need not that I write unto you for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia but we beseech you brethren that ye increase more and more and that ye study to be quiet and do your and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with the these words, but the times, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, chapter five, ye have no need that I write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us walk watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit despise not prophesying prove all things hold fast that which is good there's that Berean spirit there to search the scriptures whether these things be so prove all things hold fast that which is good verse 22 abstain from all appearance of evil and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it brethren pray for us greet all the brethren with an holy kiss I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, as we've gone just a couple minutes over here, I just thank you all for your patience, and I pray that this study in the book of Thessalonians, as the Lord gives us liberty to do it, will be a blessing to you, and I hope that we will all come to the scriptures with the same spirit that the Bereans had, to search the scriptures daily, whether these things be so, not to leave ourselves up to the commandments and doctrines of men. Even my family here, um, I don't want you to grow up following your daddy's doctrine. 
I want you to follow the doctrine of the word of God. And if daddy is wrong, I want you to follow God anyway. I do not want you to follow me where I'm wrong. I want you to follow me where I'm right. And the only way you can do that is by getting in the Bible yourself, knowing the Bible yourself, and searching the scriptures, whether these things be so. Comparing scripture to scripture. Taking the whole counsel of God into consideration. Thinking about how the Bible deals with each subject, each subject having an open mind to the Bible and not to man. An open mind to the Bible, a closed mind to man and his opinions, but an open mind to the Bible and saying, God, change me. God, show me. God, I submit to you as the final authority and I submit to your word as the expression of your will for my life on this earth and I'm going to follow you as best I can all my life. And if you do that, I'll be pleased and I'll be grateful and thank God for it. And I same to anyone that listens to this online. If you will follow God in such a manner, I'd be pleased and grateful to even know that you were doing it. And I thank God for you all. And I wish you the very best in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, take this and use it for your sake and for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.